Hey everybody, today we're going to be talking about Nagata Kabi's My Lesbian Experience with Loneliness and She's The Bride Was a Boy. So these are both manga essays written by people who are LGBTQ in Japan and naturally it's going to contain some potentially sensitive material. So there are content warnings for non-ideal family situations, LGBTQ stuff obviously, there's mentions of self-harm and suicide attempts. And my lesbian experience with loneliness in particular goes pretty in-depth about depression and anxiety and just generally feeling like a failure. So, you know, if any of that is potentially sensitive material, then here's your warning. To the at cast. What? Rainy. What? What was that? <laughs> I'm your I'm your Ibo. Okay. Do you want to Do you want to start again? No. No. I was just really surprised. I don't know. I was like stunned for a second. You weren't expecting it. Yeah. No. Well, I'm the I'm, Ibo. I, I'm, I'm, I'm your Ibo, and you are my Ibo, and yeah, we're Ibo we're Tachis. Ibos. <laughs> Ibo Tachis. And everyone in the audience is also our Ibo Tachis. Oh, Ibo Tachis. We're all Ibo Tachis together. <laughs> yeah, I'm Renu, the Ibo. Yep, we're all Ibos. <laughs> this word is starting to lose its meaning this week. That stands for actual tribulations, because we're going to be talking about my favorite subject, which is gay stuff. Oh, I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be it's going to be real good. Today, we're going to be discussing two different uh manga essays. We're going to be discussing My Lesbian Experience with Loneliness and The Bride Was a Boy. To be honest, before I started reading these, I didn't know what the term or genre of manga essay was. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory. It is, yeah. And then I was like, oh, I've read this type of thing before. I just never categorized it as manga essay. <laughs> yeah. But before we get into it, let's start with... What have you been up to the past couple weeks? Oh, geez. It's been a couple weeks. Yeah. Um, Rick, I mean, outside of anime, <laughs> not much. I've been finishing up artwork, which is fun. I, mm. I'm actually really excited about that. I finished up two rather hefty pixel art things that I'll, well, I posted one of them. I'll post the other one later. Yeah, those things take me time. And so I'm glad to just have them off my palette and, or plate, palette, plate. <laughs> and pa I won't. Palette a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And then I'll, I'll switch. Yeah, platelets. I'll be switching right back to illustration afterwards because I can't do like one. I have like usually like a spree of like doing one type of art and then I have to move on to something else. It's kind of like kind of like palette fatigue with food. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but with I get art. you. I get you. <laughs> That's been me. What you been up to? Gosh, when was the last time we talked? Two weeks ago. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> like... On the podcast, we talked two weeks ago. Okay. 
<laughs> as far as the podcast goes, yes, the last time we talked was like two weeks ago. But like yeah. we, I, I, I talked mean, to you like yesterday. Yeah, we watched we watched a lot of anime. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I've I feel like I haven't really been doing anything. Actually. I mean, you're on break, right? I mean, I, I am on break. Yeah. But as for what I've been doing the past two weeks, you know, I went to my spe- like unspecified body of water. I had a good time. I posted pictures on Twitter. Yeah. And then I came back and then I recuperated for basically a week. Uh, That tends to happen after vacation time. <laughs> yeah, I don't really go outside much. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It's It's been okay. I... Hang out with my friends. I go to get lunches. It's... Then I just come back and I play Overwatch and Grand Blue Fantasy. Oh, there was the Overwatch Grand Finals that happened. <laughs> well, the team that I wanted to win won, but oh. it was not as exciting of a game as it could have been. Hmm. Which is kind of sad, but I'll take it. Was it like a like they won by a large margin kind of thing? They won by a pretty large margin. Okay. Because it was three <laughs> sets of, like, it was the best of three of two of, like, uh, three best of five matches. Mm. So you had to win that. And I think they ended up winning, like, overall, like, six to one or something. Oh, so, I see. <laughs> so it wasn't, it wasn't super close. Sure. <laughs> despite, you know, the games being pretty close here and there, but... Yeah, yeah. It was good, okay. though. It was good, though. Um, it was a good time. I went to go see, actually, um, Sorry to Bother You, which was a really, really good movie. I heard the things about it, and I kind of want to go see it. <laughs> yeah, it's... I mean, it's it's really... I'm not going to say anything about it. It's really good, and mm-hmm. I feel like everyone should watch it. Okay. It's... It is... No, I'm not gonna say anything about it. It's okay. n- like I'm it is something that you must experience for yourself. Okay, I like that kind of <laughs> review. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 really good, it's really funny. Okay. And it says some pretty important things. So Okay. Pretty good cool. in my book. Pretty good in my book. Dope. And yeah, that's that's kind of all that I've been up to. I mean, I really haven't been up to a whole lot. You've been up to more than me. <laughs> I mean, like, I guess that's true. I like the thing about it is, I'm just uh, like I'm just loitering around, waiting for the other things that are exciting to start happening in my vacation. So <laughs> those will come around at some point, and, uh-huh. uh, and that'll be good. Uh, I've been playing a lot of Stardew Valley, actually. Ah, oh, dude, how is it? You've been playing the multiplayer, right? Yeah, I've been playing multiplayer. It's really yes. fun. It's dope. Really fun. dope, 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 dope. I like living on this weird farm commune with all my friends. <laughs> farm commune sounds like the bomb diggity. <laughs> yeah. Except we, I mean, you would think that it would decrease the sort of, I don't know, difficulty curve. Of the game. It really doesn't. It just makes it vaguely faster because you don't have to do everything all at once by yourself. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah. I feel like it could easily devolve into sheer chaos unless you have good communication with your friends. <laughs> I mean, we we just kind of all do our own things. Like I usually tend to the farm because 
our farm is getting to the point where we don't have sprinklers that are like upgraded. So we just have the regular sprinklers, which are not very oh, good. Yeah, they're not. <laughs> but our farm is getting to the point where it's so big that watering all the plants takes like all the energy I have. So I just water the plants and then I go wander around and before I go to bed. What? That sounds boring. <laughs> Surprisingly okay. Okay. <laughs> And then we have a uh, one of my friends is fishing, and one of my friends is uh, delving into the mines. So you know, we all do our part, and because I, we, I would want to rotate. I don't know. <laughs> nah, I'm okay with it because we all okay, share okay. money. Like we share one pool of money. Okay. It it does make it so that really uh, the progress isn't as fast as you would think it, uh, because you know. One upgraded item is one upgraded item for one person. Right. So, yeah. That's that's how that's going. Uh, but, okay. Yeah. I mean, I stream it sometimes on Twitch if we're doing it. We haven't played in a while because my friend's router died. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, it's not great. <laughs> and then we have scheduling issues because uh, three of us live on the West Coast and then one of us lives on the East Coast. Oh, no. <laughs> So it is very difficult for us to all be in the same place at the same time. So we usually play with three, but we haven't played with our East Coast friend yet. And we're going to teach him how to farm as soon as it's humanly possible. That's rough. A three-hour difference is pretty rough. but I mean, it is, yeah. it is pretty rough, especially if you're <laughs> on like a normal schedule. Yeah. Obviously, I'm not. Yeah. I don't adhere to any kind of schedule. <laughs> you are your own schedule. <laughs> Other than that, I'm still on the, the, you know, the Grand Blue grind. I'm on that Grind Blue fantasy. Grind Blue fantasy. I'm making progress, kind of. Last time you announced that you finished your knife grid. Yeah, I have all the knives I need, and now all the knives I get are extra knives that I break down into their base components to turn my knives into super knives when I get high enough of a level. <laughs> but that comes in... 11 levels, so that's oh. kind of a long way off at this point. Yeah. yeah, There's there's a lot of space between here and there that I have to fill with stuff. But yeah, <laughs> that's it. Okay. I'm done talking about all the things I've been playing. You know, okay. I listen, summer goes by in kind of a haze a lot of the time, especially if I'm not going outside or on trips, and mm. I, I almost don't remember it until I start talking about it again. <laughs> that sounds like all of my life. <laughs> Yeah, I, I suppose this isn't just unique to vacation. I do just kind of forget everything until I start talking about it. And then it all starts to come back and I'm like, wait, I'm alive? Question mark. <laughs> like, for me, it comes like far after someone's asked me what I've been up to, right? They're like, what have you been up to? I'm like, eh, nothing, you know, the usual. And then like a day later, I'm like, oh, I could have told them about this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think about that all the time, too. Sometimes when I'm, like, editing the podcast, I get that. Yeah. <laughs> Just, wait, I didn't talk about that one thing. Whoops. Yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> or, like, if the thing is happening at the time, it's like, oh, I get to talk about this with this person, and then I don't ever remember forget. to do so. Yeah. We just need we just need notepads to write down all these things on. <laughs> which is That's terrible. I, I say that as somebody who has a phone that is a notepad. Yeah. So I, I, by all means, I could just start writing things down, but I almost feel like at that point, I, my life would get too organized and who would I be anymore? <laughs> what would your identity be once you're too organized? Right, right. Exactly. Where would I go from there? <laughs> right, well, let's start talking about, let's start talking about things. Uh, I think I want to start by talking about 
The Bride Was a Boy, or Hanayome wa Motodanshi. Okay. So sure. this, for those of you who have not read it, is about, it is a manga essay by a trans woman who got married. And she was like, this is what it was like getting married as a, as a trans woman. It's really cool. It's super cool. It's super cute. I think she said that it started like as a blog about, you know, her life or experiences or whatever. And then she decided to start doing like the the four panel, you know, manga uh, format to go along with her blog. And then it just like she had the opportunity to publish it as a book. And she did so with the support of her husband. Yeah, I think I think that both of these uh, things that we're talking about today originated on Pixiv. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, the premise is is just that. I mean, it's it's just somebody talking about their life. But my gosh, it's so cute. It's so cute, and like the the way that the writing is set up is very organized, in my opinion. Like it's it doesn't get too overly complicated, and whenever there's like a term that is a little more like uh, medical sounding or whatever, there's like a little uh, explanation page for it at the end of the chapter, which is nice. Yeah, it's it's like a really well-researched little mm-hmm. little thing. I mean, most of the research comes from lived experience, but... yeah. Yeah, this this is I mean it's it's great because this is something you can point to when people are like, "Oh, being gay or queer or trans is different in Japan." It's like, mm, I mean not not the way you think it is. <laughs> yeah. Like you I, you can't use this to invalidate or rather people I people tend to use a lot of character arcs in in Japanese media and it is couched in the language of a trans narrative, but people say, oh, I mean, it's just different in Japan. It's not. Like, <laughs> we can acknowledge that it's just not like that. There are people like this that live there. Yeah, I mean, it. Uh, yeah, it's like you said, it's different in, in a different way than you would expect. And I do like that they go into that in in some respects in this uh, in this book. And yeah. uh, like, 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 even getting into the way that the laws differ and whatnot, and, right. or the yeah, the way that the procedure and and the process you have to go through with your physicians, all of that is is pretty different. And they, the author is very self aware of that. Like these experiences are very unique to her, and not, and is not going to even necessarily reflect what another Japanese trans woman goes through. Yeah, that's that was what was most interesting to me was when she's talking about how the Japanese laws work in relation to families and how they're kind of archaic, kind of backwards, kind of oh yeah, bizarre. that was awful. <laughs> it was, she had to draw a whole diagram for it. It was terrible. Like so, the way that family <laughs> registrars work in, yeah. in Japan is that they're really like rigid about you know first yeah. son, second son, third yeah. son, first daughter, second daughter, third daughter. <laughs> but if you you know, go through the process of, and you know, there is a process, but if you go through the process of, of changing your legally recognized, you know, gender, what happens is if you were the third son and you become the third or, and you become a woman, you become the third daughter, even if there's no first or second daughter, which is just, Mm -hmm. 
it's just not intuitive, really. Like, there's one panel uh, where she draws, like, there's, like, two eldest daughters in the same family because the eldest son transitioned into eldest daughter. <laughs> and it's like, what? Why? <laughs> it's it's just, like, it's accommodating, but in the strangest way possible. Yeah. Like, like in her case, it works out because she has an older sister, and so when she became second daughter, it made sense, but it wasn't for the right reason. Right. <laughs> like, it just happened to work. Yeah. And that's also the thing about, you know, Japan is not a country where uh, homosexual marriage is legal. So yeah. some people who are trans will just stick with what they have so that they can stay married to who they're married to. Right. Because, you know, marriage is is a privilege, you know, it, yeah. in, in these countries insofar as it gives you certain benefits that you don't get otherwise you know it, it's both legally and socially a a privilege right so, yeah, it, yeah it's it's that that whole law was so bizarre and the way that they explained it is like there's basically this gender dysphoria special act where if you are married you cannot be considered to have gender dysphoria and if you do not if you're not diagnosed as having gender dysphoria by, I think, at least two physicians, then you can't legally change your gender on your family registry to the gender that you identify with. And yeah. so there are, it's it's like Sue just said, like there are couples who will forego having their family registry changed to reflect their uh, the gender that they identify with so that they can stay married because if they change it to, you know, if they want to change it, they'd have to get divorced, and then they wouldn't even be able to get married again because uh, gay marriage isn't legal. It's just, it's like, <laughs> it's so bizarre how the law yeah. works. Yeah. I mean, I get it. Our law is weird, too. Yeah. <laughs> like, in some spots, they, they're somewhat accommodating, but not quite. It's... Yeah, it's it's unfortunate, but that's just that's the way the law works. And I mean, there are people that are, are trying to change it, but there are people that want it to stay the same. Japan is an intensely conservative society. I think I think change will come just very slowly. At least that's that's my hope, because it's an issue that so many people are passionate about. And it's been a long standing one. And change has been proceeding. <laughs> Like <laughs> slowly but surely. <laughs> slowly hopefully. but surely. Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's nice because you you kind of get a a glimpse into what it's like to be you know LGBTQ in Japan. Yeah. You start with like, oh, am I like just just like a gay dude, or or am I like actually just like a straight woman? Yeah, they make that distinction a lot in this work. They they actually make several really important distinctions, and I feel like a lot of that has to do with like, you know, concerns or questions that's been brought up uh, to this uh, author's you know attention, like basically throughout their whole life, right? So I think it's a really nice, like, uh, lighthearted introduction to um, the world of of you know, being transgender, but more specifically to her own personal experiences as a transgender woman. Right. 
It's also really cute. Like it's also super freaking cute. <laughs> her husband is so good. She's so good. Good husband. She's good, good. Good husband. Though she found the best husband ever. He's so good. <laughs> like I, I used to be a man. He's like, okay. Like, do you do you not want to date? <laughs> right. He's like, I'm trying to ask you out, basically. <laughs> yeah. And. I mean, it's it's really nice, honestly, yeah. to to hear that you know, it's not all doom and gloom. You you can have these these kind of bright spots where, you know, her family's really accepting uh, to the to the point where they're almost not <laughs> so shocked funny. enough. They're just like, yeah. I wish I wish the reactions were like harder. <laughs> Yeah, the their reactions were so much more shocked when she said she was getting married rather than right. when she came out. <laughs> yeah, her her family seemed really nice and accepting and yeah, they were her so boyfriend sweet. was really nice and accepting and yes. it's it's nice that we get what is like an autobiography basically, right? Like like yes. some memoirs like yes. about a happy story, right? Like about acceptance mm-hmm. and love. I feel like Boy, oh, I, I, I needed something like this. Same. I, I need to like I there's like a like a part, a small part of me that's like, oh, no, the drama is going to be super real because that's kind of what you expect um, when a lot of when there are like other media that typically portray the struggles of being transgender or LGBTQIA plus or um, anything like that. It, it's. It's filled with, of course, the very obvious and and heavy struggles that um, uh, that they go through. But this was like a, a a type of like story where she says, like, you know, I'm really lucky. Like, I got the happy life that I never thought that I would be able to have. And I not only that, but I never expected that I would ever get to be married. Right. Like. She said that when she was in junior high, she had already given up on, you know, any kind of dream of being married because she liked guys and she was born as a guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think this is something that really helps to shed like, like, hey, there's there's hope and there's happiness. And it doesn't always have to be a horrible, horrible struggle all the time. Of course, there still is because of the way that society is in a lot of the world. But, you know. Right. Sometimes you need to be shown that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. And I, I love that it's, it's you know, we get a published book now about it. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. And, you know, this this and the other work that we're going to talk about is, it's like, it's astounding the the financial success, I guess, is the way to put it, of, of these narratives. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you can, you can buy both of these books on Amazon. Yes. <laughs> and they will come to you and you can read them in English. That's that's astounding by itself. It 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 so is like especially considering the subject matter like the the subject matter is so sensitive, right? And also the fact like it's coming from uh people who live in a completely different country than us and yet we can have it translated and and distributed to us to consume in a on a on a popular level. And I think they're so important for anyone to read. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was so cute. I love the art in this freaking it's, manga essay. Oh, it's so cute. 
It's adorable. It is infectiously cute. Like just so likable. <laughs> yeah, it's it's endearingly cute. It's mm -hmm. very clean, very cute. Mm -hmm. Very well done. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't really have that much more to say about this one. You know, no. it's it's pretty it's pretty straightforward. Like, yeah, you know, there, like there is no deeper meaning. It it is just somebody's life. Like, it, yeah, it's 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 their their life as a couple, and it's super duper cute. Yeah, I mean, I I like that. It's it's just you know about the you know trials and tribulations of getting married. Period. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's about it's about getting married. It's about their family. It's about like how to you know go about treating their friends and how their friends will react to certain things that that uh, they want to or do not want to tell them. I I think it's it's relatable on on a lot of different ways. Like even if you're not necessarily in a relationship with someone who's transgender, or if you are transgender or not, that's what I like about both of these works. Actually, is that they're both highly relatable. <laughs> Oh my god, there's... <sighs> yeah, they really are. Yeah. It's... it's. I mean, I, I like that it's about, you know, being trans, about the experience mm -hmm. of being trans. But, you know, that's not the only thing it is. It is it's right. also a, this, this journey of finding love and self-satisfaction in a way that you know and self-fulfillment in in a way that is i don't know rare i guess <laughs> i feel i feel i've read so many depressing stories lately like this is just like a ray of sunshine in my life <laughs> yeah. yeah i i mean it's it's like what can i say it's just it's just pleasant right it's it is just super pleasant nice yeah, you can read it in a day. It's not long. It's just one volume, you know, one book. I I and would highly recommend buying this and just like highly recommend it. it and support the artists. They're cute, cute self with their Super cute, cute husbando. <laughs> Super cute. Yes. Yeah, and I'm I'm glad that we got a little bit of a little glimpse into life. Mm-hmm. Me too. All right, let's cool. let's talk about my lesbian experience with loneliness. <laughs> because there's a lot to talk about there's a lot to unwrap here <laughs> so in in comparison to the last story this one's kind of almost tangentially about sexuality it's because it's not really about that necessarily it is an aspect of her personality uh, and her identity but not kind of the the driving force behind the narrative necessarily uh, and this is yeah. this is also a pixiv manga essay that was then compiled and published and also yeah. something you can buy on Amazon. It is there. Both of these works that we're talking about are both. They're both autobiographical, basically. Like, right? Yes, they they do deal with like LGBTQI plus like issues and or perspectives because you know because of the nature of them, but of their identities. But it's it doesn't come down down to only being just about that. It's more about these people, like you know, as people. <laughs> yeah, they they both deal with or they're both people who have non-normative identities for sure but yeah the way in which their narratives differ is is pretty important because yeah you know whereas um chi is someone who is uh self-fulfilled in, in like a really satisfied like 
and a, and a nice fulfilling relationship of of mutual love. Uh, yeah. Nagata Kabi, who uh, wrote and and drew Miles Wing's Friends with Loneliness, is not. Yeah, <laughs> she's a, she's kind of a mess, actually. She's a hot mess, but boy, do I feel for her, like on yeah. a visceral level. <laughs> I mean, she she's a hot mess in all of the ways that people can can see themselves. Yes, yeah. right. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, it's somebody who never could find a foothold for themselves after school and just yeah. kind of drifted around and wasn't really sure about what to do and it's like this this is a highly highly relatable story in the most depressing way possible yeah like, and i think that's why it resonated yeah. with so many people yeah yeah because i think everyone has like well I, I can't say everyone but a lot of people tend to like say after high school or middle school or whatever whatever time period for you was your glory days right like you're you're insulated uh, golden age of of youth and happiness you get thrust out into quote unquote the real world and you don't know what to do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think like I, I will say I, I tend to find, you know, comments about like, oh, welcome to the real world kind of condescending and terrible because it it's also reductive. It's highly reductive about why why we consider that to be like important to know about. Right. It's yeah. when you're not in a place where your life is structured yeah after your life having been heavily structured for the last like 22 years of your life you know 18 years of your life it's hard right yeah. because suddenly you have to make it happen right you have right. to you have to make the structure in your life happen yeah yeah that's it, uh, it yeah it's it's so good because it's like it just shows like it shows what it's like to you know have your life basically laid out for you and then having to be able to carve your own path, right? Like some people are just going to be more prepared for that than others. Like some people, they'll want to stay on the path that has been given to them by their parents or whatever. And other people, they're going to be more like strong, like, like headstrong and they're going to be yearning for that freedom. And then there's other people who are going to be lost because they were never prepared to carve their own destiny or whatever. And they were so comfortable with how things were when they only had to worry about like, you know, turning their homework in or whatever, or hanging out with their friends. Yeah. I think there is a, a very real kind of societal element to it, which is mm -hmm. for people like Nagata Kabi, who the thought of doing manga never crossed her mind. Right. Yeah. You know, obviously now that's what she's doing. You know, she's putting these these manga essays out there. You know, she she wrote fiction. She well, maybe she's still writing fiction. I don't know. But the thought never crossed her mind. And so as as a result, you know, the thing that she was really passionate about, she didn't pursue and things started to crumble because, you know, if you're not doing that, and I mean, there are some things to be said about like, you know, if you just follow your passion, no day is work. It's work. It's work. And it's hard. Oh, yeah. But mm -hmm. if you don't know where you're going, it's so, so scary. Mm -hmm. And that is what it feels like for, I feel like most young adults nowadays. It is, it is darker than ever. It is much harder to see where you're going. And only the people who are really, really adamant about 
where and you know how they want to get there can Mm -hmm. and you know people who don't necessarily have that or can't do that get lost and and left by the wayside right and i i think she like lays it out really clearly during one of her panels where she she writes down the difference between what she wants with her life which is she can either pursue being a manga artist and uh have that path be very uncertain and you know the pay is going to be inconsistent you never know what's going to happen or she can follow the path that her parents and the rest of society like would have structured which is like have a full-time job you know maybe get married have kids or something like that and and she chooses to go with you know the former because she has been trying so hard for the latter and it just made her deteriorate <laughs> yeah i mean it is it is as much a a story about you know self-discovery and self-fulfillment as it is about like finding what you need to do for yourself right because mm-hmm. part of it part of how you know she had to start you know, turning it around was taking care of herself first yes right? yes mm-hmm. making sure that it was it was you know in her best interest what she was doing and that's that's when things you know started to to get a little bit better even if her situation hadn't necessarily changed right because right once she wasn't just just trying to please her family and this is mm-hmm. i mean this is like a like a huge thing like we're both obviously from asian families <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and we're both like not straight. <laughs> we're not heteronormative. <laughs> yeah. We don't we don't fit into the mold of heteronormative right society. So I I mean part of that is is why that resonates because you know Nagata Kabi is obviously someone who deals with anxiety, with depression. You know, she she takes medication for that and that's that's kind of how she starts to get better. Mhm. And it's really hard for people like that to do anything. And even, and this is, this is really important too, which is even the efforts that she was putting in that she thought would be seen weren't recognized because they're not, they don't fit the mold of what it means to be successful. Right. You know, she's just like, yes, I want to be like useful to this family. So I will, Mm -hmm. you know, contribute money. And, you know, her parents say, well, you don't have to do that. You you only have a part-time job. It's not a real job. Right? Yeah, we you can do that when you're a salaried employee, which is kind of a shitty thing to say. Like her family doesn't treat yeah. her amazingly, like not. <laughs> and I I want to like all credit. She doesn't treat her family amazingly either, but they don't. Uh, they yeah yeah they, they're not they, great they, to each other. No, they're not. They're not supportive. Like like all encompassingly supportive, right? Like of course they they take her in whenever she's unemployed or whatever. Like like you know when she's trying to get back on her feet, they don't they don't give her a hard time about it. She comes home and they're like, okay, welcome home, you know. But also like there are pressures and standards there that they have that they grew up with that they then you know assume is normal and then they they put on her. And she isn't able to meet up to those expectations, right? Right. And 
because of that, it just drives her down a deeper hole and she thinks that she's not being grateful to them. She makes a really good point where her whole uh, like life, like for like 10 years, like after she graduated high school, was basically battling between the her that wants to, you know, have self-fulfillment, do something that she actually wants versus the her that wants to please her parents, right? Right. And uh, I think that's such an important distinction to make because, of course, you want to have your parents be happy and because they raised you or, you know, have the people who support you, like, approve and accept you, right? Um, but you don't... Like, like it's also ostracizing at the same time, right? Because you're you're trying to be something that you're not, <laughs> right? And <laughs> so I think it's it's a it's a real struggle for her, at least like like just like identity wise, even like it took a lot of self reflection to figure out like who she was and what she wanted. Yeah, I'm, and what's really important I feel like is you know near the beginning she says you know like this is this is when she's terribly underweight and has an eating disorder and won't eat anything mm -hmm. she says but i was happy to be falling apart getting hurt absolved me of something i thought it would lower the bar for other people to accept me and then i could find a place where i belong yeah, yeah so yeah you know part of it is this feeling of if if you are suffering uh, in in a way that you know is is more or less invisible, I guess it can almost feel comforting to to wallow in that. Yeah. To mm -hmm. to feel like, well, I'm I'm getting hurt, but that's okay because it means that people will you know reach out to me or like me or whatever. And right. it it's a really hard turnaround for her to realize that that's not the case, and that yeah. she has to do it for herself, right? Yes. Yes. Uh, I think the whole, like the whole lowering of standards, is basically like, oh yeah, I'm I'm suffering, therefore I'm paying a price for the state that I'm in now. Therefore, I can't be considered completely worthless because I'm sacrificing something, right? Right. And I think that also goes in in tandem with, uh, I I love the the way that she describes. Um, some of the more serious issues that she went through, you know, like like the eating disorder, but also like on a more sensitive topic, she also goes through like self harm habits, mm -hmm. um, and the way that she was able to articulate it was because she, you know, saw someone else writing about it, which was uh, that having like a physical reminder or seeing the physical cause of an injury gave her comfort because there were so many invisible things that were hurting her that she couldn't understand and that she couldn't overcome. Right. So, you know, being able to see a very clear cause and effect was uh, alleviating to her and uh, gave her comfort, I guess, like, like in a way, like almost like self-medicating, right? Mm -hmm. Kind of like, if I know what causes this, then I can feel better about the things that I don't know what what what's what the pain is is arising from 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 other fronts. Part of it is, and it kind of sucks that it is that way, but part of it is just growing up. Yeah. Right. Part of it is self reflection, which is hard. It's not easy. It's like really, really hard. 
but you know, it's it's kind of the only way to move forward, right? Yeah, I feel like I mean, like it's it's not just like when you're an adult, but like even as a child, you're constantly reforging your identity and you're constantly reflecting and and figuring out who it is that you are. Like there's no like like at least to me, there's no defining moment where you're like I am this person. Like right. that definition that you hold for yourself probably isn't going to be true like in another five to 10 years. It might be true like at that moment. Um, and so it just so happens that when you're a child, it's it tends to be easier to figure out who you are because the consequences of that aren't as heavy as when you're an adult and responsibilities are tied to that. Right. And, you know, to a large extent, a lot of this is also like, you know, a depression thing you know, for a lot of people, depression results in in this feeling of a loss of identity. Like, who am I even? Because I lost so many years to not doing anything, and I feel like, yeah, that is a large part of of what happens. You know, in in this narrative uh, about yeah. her own life, she spent so many years after you know losing her her way. I guess mm-hmm. losing what she used, like the anchors that she used to define her her identity. After losing those it was really hard for her to to go anywhere because she couldn't even figure out who she was and what she wanted, right? She wanted yeah. to be happy, but she couldn't figure out the way to get there. Yeah. And and the way that her she judged her own value was was highly skewed. <laughs> and right. it it got to the point of like like every time she reflected on how many years had passed, she would say, "Oh, like I leveled up in uselessness because there the past two years I haven't held a job, therefore I'm big even mood. more unemployable now. <laughs> that's, that's a big mood. Yeah. So like I, I relate, I understand because when you're trying to figure out who you are or what you want to do in life, you try and judge your own self-worth and your own value. And what you tend to do is you tend to lean on other people's standards or society's, you know, standards for what makes you a valuable human being, right? Whether right. it's like your career or how well loved you are by your community, your friends, your family and whatnot. Uh, and what it took her a long time to realize was that, yeah, when as soon as she started investing in herself, that's when her life started to take a turn for the better. Right. And it's it's not like a magic bullet either, right? It didn't no. suddenly get better, but yeah, it was a little bit. And it was like gradually working up certain things into her routine, like better hygiene and and fixing up some of her clothes, or like small things like that's how it started. And then it start and then it started having a positive mental effect on her too. Yeah, and I mean, if for for people that do struggle with depression, that it is a a very like valid thing. It is a very important thing that, you know, you have to go into things with a mindset that you might not get it right and you might not finish it the first time. But as long as you mm-hmm. do a little bit, that progress will build up. And mm-hmm. uh, I mean, you know, worst, worst comes to worst, you just you hire a lesbian ex- escort. Yeah, twice. Twice. <laughs> it's, oh, I think she actually goes back another time in, in the sequel. Oh, really? I haven't read the sequel yet. So I I got the sequel in yesterday okay. and I read it uh, and I, I can tell <gasps> nice. you a little bit about that. But yeah, yeah it's. It, it like this is this is a narrative that is so heavily tied to you know these these feelings of of otherness 
to some extent, and they yeah. they tie into feelings of worthlessness and uselessness. And at the end of the day, it's like everybody feels this a little bit for sure. Everybody mm-hmm. feels a little bit like, oh well, I'm not you know useful or I I shouldn't exist. And I mean that's obviously not true, but it's so hard to see that, and it's so hard to believe that when. No one recognizes the things that you do. And it's... Yeah. I mean, I would go as far as to say it's not their job to. Yeah. To some extent, you know, if you are family, you should be supporting each other, ostensibly. I don't think it is necessarily on the person to only think about themselves. But it is important. It It is important. and And she makes this important point of, like, trying to find somewhere where she belongs... Like, yeah, she has a family that she can go home to and who will, like, house her, but she still didn't feel like she belonged there. And I think a lot of that has to do with, like, that, like, lack of communication or that lack of understanding between them of, like, absolute acceptance, right? Like, she hasn't, you know, come out to them about her sexuality. She, you know, barely told them about her manga, right? Um, oh boy (laughs) and so i and and she talks about like she wants friends you know like uh even up to when she was about to meet the escort or whatever she's like i want friends (laughs) and and she wants to be held and and comforted or whatever but like it's there's a lot to consider (laughs) i mean it is as much a story about your life falling apart as it is putting it back together right Mm -hmm. like piece piece by piece it's not going to come together at once and it might it might not come back together perfectly and it might fall apart again but you just have to keep at it Mm -hmm. there's there's no easy way to go through it and you can't rely on people for your own self-worth you need your your own self-satisfaction you need your own self-esteem you know right it i mean it is you know, we can recognize both that you cannot live simply on the merit of or like the approval of other people and that, you know, humans are inherently social creatures. And to some extent, people who aren't recognized by anybody, you know, that's not necessarily their fault. You know, it, it could it's a societal problem. It is a social right. problem. It could stem from really anywhere. But like. You know, it's it's both of those things, right? It's it's the kind of balance that you want, right? If you have no sense of self-worth, it can be very reaffirming and, you know, nice to have somebody believe in your self-worth. Like, here's the thing is, there's an old adage that's like, you can't love anybody without loving yourself. And I don't think that's true. Mm. It is entirely possible to, despite the fact that you don't see the value in someone, because you care about someone, like, so much... The fact that they see value in you, that's what that's the value you see. You know, it's 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 the like, you know, don't believe in yourself, believe in the me that believes in you. <laughs> yeah. I think I think because it's so much easier for us to see someone else's worth as opposed to our own, right? Like we see what someone does like right in front of our eyes, but like when we do something or we feel a certain way. It, there's because there's so much that we're trying to input and interpret and analyze about ourselves and we're so self-critical a lot of the times, it's harder to more objectively view ourselves like from the third person say, okay, well, this thing that I did, you know, it's it's good or it's good for me, it's healthy for me. 
you know, or we, we slip into like, uh, like moods or, or like we're impacted by emotions that also cloud our judgment or cloud our reflection. So I definitely think it's possible to more easily feel the love towards someone else versus feeling the love towards yourself. <laughs> I mean, I, I, as with most things, I also think it's a process, right? Yeah. You know, through the process of seeing what someone sees in you, you can start to see that in yourself. Exactly. Right? Yeah. But the ulti- the ultimate goal is some amount of self-esteem and self-worth that you see in yourself because you know at the end of the day i like i don't think a relationship is doomed if one person doesn't see their self-worth and doesn't if they don't love themselves necessarily but at the same time i don't necessarily know if that is sustainable right yeah that's what i was thinking i I think to some extent you have to you have you have to at some point start building up your own sense of self-worth or else you're you're in a position where and i mean i know it's hard right it's not easy but Mm -hmm. you know or else at the end of the day it's just entirely possible that that you will be left with nothing yeah like i think at the end of the day yes you can have a fulfilling relationship with someone but you'll still feel like something is missing right you'll still feel like I'm not happy. <laughs> I mean, I also don't think that people should rely on one person for everything, right? Yeah. And this this is something that comes up in, in the sequel where uh, Nagata Kabi comes to the realization that the reason that her relationship with her mother is so bad and the reason why she's not independent is is because she's loading too many things onto her mother, right? Her mother is her mm-hmm. mother. Her mother is her only basically her only form of like social contact her friend her whatever right Mm -hmm. and so it it gets to a point where you know you start to burden that person right and it's kind of terrible to say but like you can't do that unless they give it willingly yeah right Mm -hmm. and no one person should be doing that forever yeah, it, it it comes along in the sense of like if you're not taking it on yourself then then you're you're putting it on that person that you depend on. But if that person you depend on is only one person, then that's a lot of pressure on them. And then because they know that you're their only or that they're their, that they are your only one person, that's even more pressure on them to to perform and not let you down. Yeah, and and this this is an excerpt from the second book, which I know you don't have, Uh uh, so I'll Uh read it for you. I read somewhere long ago that being independent means building up the number of people you can rely on and relying on each individual less. And I think, like Mm. that's that's it. That's what being independent Mm -hmm. is, right? It's Mm -hmm. not being all alone. It's not right sectioning yourself off from society and not like refusing to to rely on anybody. It's yeah relying on people, but it's relying on people in a way that isn't going to damage people right it's it, yeah. in a way that mm-hmm. isn't going to hurt them or you yeah you know the, the more people you can rely on and you know this this obviously doesn't have to be like 80 people right this can be like four five close friends mm-hmm. people were not meant to stand alone no matter how <laughs> much american society tells you that that's the case mm-hmm. nothing is nothing happens in a vacuum nothing is is truly its own thing by itself with no help mm-hmm. from anything. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's it's important. It's yeah. important to know. Yeah, I think another point that I wanted to touch on that she talks about 
is like this whole concept of like the sweet nectar that everyone has right. and that she's been missing out on, which I think goes back to like the whole discussion of self-worth or, or what have you, because it isn't until she finds fulfillment in publishing her manga and getting, you know, responses from it, getting people who accept her very embarrassing and open stories about herself that she gets like a little taste of of what she thinks society runs on, which is this sweet nectar that that makes everyone's lives better, right? Like why are all these people like shining and punctual and ready to go to ready to get out of the bed to to face the world and why is she like not even wanting to crawl out of bed, right? Mm. I think it also goes to her point of how she describes like the difference in in what it's called when people call you like lazy versus like not actually pursuing the thing that you need to pursue. Right. Like she she talks about how like if you are someone who like has like a fulfilling job and life and you slack off a bit, you still get that sweet nectar, right? That's called laziness. But if you're someone who is completely lost and you're floundering, you're trying to find your way and you're working really hard, but you still have none of that nectar, <laughs> mm-hmm. then maybe you're working too hard in the wrong direction. And it's not and that's not laziness. That that that's actually a time when you need to reflect and think about what it is that you're working for and whether that's actually healthy or good for you it, it is a it is a story that will resonate with many people many young adults yeah. i mean there's there's a reason that it is so well known now because i i read this like right about when it was first translated into english unofficially mm. don't tell the cops <laughs> you translated right off of pixiv right <laughs> i don't i don't remember i don't remember uh i just i just saw this uh, like year year two maybe a couple years ago I don't remember when it came out exactly. Yeah, a couple years no, you ago. Read it, I think you it was, read it in Japanese. I know it. Yeah, obviously, <laughs> obviously I tracked down on Pixiv and I read it on I read it in yeah. Japanese. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I, it's, I, I will say it is interesting reading the, the sequel um, because it is my solo exchange diary. And it, I mean, it is, it is continuing her journey of finding out how to be alive and be a person. Which mm-hmm. really we're all doing. We're all trying to figure out how to be people <laughs> all the time. Even if you don't necessarily have all of the problems that she has, you will in some way be able to identify with with her struggle. Right. I, because I think we all we all go through this despite how we look or try to portray ourselves as 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 having that that sweet nectar. <laughs> sweet nectar. I can't get over that term. It's so funny. I want she brings it up too. <laughs> she wants that sweet nectar. She wants it. <laughs> it. It was also it was also very important that she realizes pretty quickly that that sex is high level communication. Yes, I love that. Like right after one session, she's like, she's "I like, was a oh, fool." Oh no. <laughs> I'm like that person that got seated to the finals <laughs> and gets wiped out. <laughs> Don't remind me. I'm thinking about the Overwatch League again. My poor New York boys. Oh. Got dumpstered in the semis. Oh. But yeah, no, that's it's it's very, very true and very important to consider. <laughs> it's not gonna magically make your life better, 
But, you know, for Nagata Kabe, it was an important step towards becoming a, an independent, I guess, yeah. person. Yeah, it is, I will say, what happens in the sequel, uh, which is just, I mean, the continuing chronicle of her life. Mm-hmm. So she moves out, she gets her own place, and she actually moves a couple times. She has a lot of trouble oh. staying staying in a place. Her family situation gets worse. Oh no. <laughs> Mostly because uh, they don't take greatly to her work being published. Oh, they find out. Well, I mean, obviously they find out because, like, you know, that's just how it be. Sure. But what happens is she. Uh, her family basically thinks that it's an embarrassment, right? That, that she's, uh, like, airing all of the, the grievances in her life. To the public, right. which I get for like a a nice Japanese family, but boy, it is um, let's just say it's, it's pretty pretty much the opposite of of Cheese family. Uh, they're not they're oh, not very happy no. about it, and you know she realizes that her mother too is not like her mother is also like a like a victim, right? She's not like really happy. She's kind of the punching bag of of the rest of the family. Her in-laws are not amazing to her. Um, Mm -hmm. Her dad is not nice. Mm. Yeah. Uh, But, you know, she, she moves out and it's, it is just as, it is just as hard hitting. Like it, it hits you just as hard. And, you know, it goes through things like, like her, all of her times moving. Like the first time she, she moved, from one um one place to another she didn't hire like a moving company and so she had to do all of it by hand with like a taxi and it was not amazing oh no yeah but it's i mean it's it's really unfortunate because they don't recognize even when she's she's done something as amazing as as put out a book that's been translated into into like different languages and has reached such yeah. a wide audience that the first thing that they think of is that, you know, you're just airing our dirty laundry. Like, you're just embarrassing our family. Right. I I can see how that would almost feel like an invasion of privacy, right? Like, Yeah, I, I mean, I, I understand why. It's just like... Yeah. It it sucks that they don't see even, even the, like, well, she published a book. Yeah, like, they don't see the accomplishment. But I think it's... It, it's it's tough because it is so personal to them because it is about them partially partially about them yeah yeah you know she does she does move out and she does start to become at least financially self-sufficient okay so that that's good at least um, she does <laughs> she does uh at some point get into a relationship and and have a couple dates with a person <gasps> Which is uh, when she realizes that she is not ready for that, basically. That seems to be the case. <laughs> right. Because she realizes that it is it is hard for her to consider other people when she can't even really consider herself, right? She's so... Right. Because she has... And I mean, it is a survival tactic, you know, where... She has mm-hmm. thought about her own self-preservation for so long that yeah. it is hard for her to 
you know, be considerate of, of other people. She realizes that, you know, although this person really likes her, right, and, and asked her out, right, it is difficult for her to reciprocate because she doesn't know how to. Uh, and she feels bad because she doesn't feel like she is, you know, reciprocating as much, which, I mean, that, that's a very real thing. If you yeah. can't, if you can't, it like, boy, being in a relationship is is tough. It's hard. Yeah. It is yeah. it is high level communication. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's unfortunate, yeah. but like I get it. I understand. Yeah. No, dude, I, I really want to read the the sequel. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really good. You should you should get it. Yeah. Um it is there is another volume coming out next year in february yo man girl keep pumping these out (laughs) yeah i will be i will be waiting with bated breath because i I will be buying all of them um she mentions at the at the end that she uh made an attempt on her own life Mm. so that's sad it's not great but she presents it in a way that's really I don't know. It's it's honest. You know, she says, mm. once when I stopped caring about the future, I cut my neck with kitchen scissors. But it turns out the cardioid artery is on the inside of your neck muscles. Those muscles hurt for a long time after that. I don't know what my mom or dad mm. or anyone else is saying, but you've really worked hard and have grown so much for me. And this is written in as a as a diary, like an exchange diary addressed to herself, which is why she's addressing herself in the second person. Mm. From now on, I'm fine with getting hurt again. So please don't give up. As as much as these are like you know these stories about about her life are really sad and we can see ourselves in in it it's i mean it's also a story about hope right you know she she tried but she still hasn't given up and she's still she's still working and she's still going and it's not easy right yeah but yeah it is i don't know being being a person is tough it's tough biz yeah oh yeah, in in the sequel, she gets uh, she gets to a point where she realizes that she's really lonely. Yeah, like excessively lonely. Because you know, up until this point, she hasn't really been keeping up with her friends. Uh, she hasn't really been. She obviously doesn't have an amazing relationship with her family. Yeah, and she kind of she works in a very solitary line of work too, so it's it's very difficult for her to make friends. Mm-hmm. You know, and this is this is the thing, right? It is she is make she does make progress. You know, she she goes to some friends. She goes out with some friends, and she visits and goes to the, like one of their weddings. But at the end of the day, right, it is important that you know if you want to be friends with somebody, especially. I mean, I don't want to say like you have to keep up with them, but you kind of have to keep up with them, right? <laughs> I think I think there are some friendships where it is very easy for you to pick it back up where you left off. Yeah. But there are others where if you're not going to put in the effort to maintain that relationship, then it's, you know, it's, it's not going to be there for you. Yeah. And I think that that differs highly between, you know, person, person, friendship to friendship or whatever, uh, that, um, the, the level of energy or commitment that you have to, uh, portray or invest right like some people will be highly understanding of like you know people like me who 
are horrible at keeping up with distant friends. I'm so bad at it. But, right? But, like, if you talk to me, you know, like, years later or or months later, I'll pick it back up right where we left off, right? (laughs) (laughs) So if you're okay with that, and a lot of my closest friends are, then then we get along fine. But then, of course, there's going to be friends that I lose along the way or that people like me lose along the way because that's not compatible with them or or whom I have to put in a little more extra effort into keeping in touch with so that, you know, feelings aren't hurt and, you know, we can, can all get along. Uh, so I think that's... I think that is a really important point to touch on because she doesn't really get to address friendship at all in, in at least this first book or whatever because, you know, she talks about wanting friends. She doesn't have any friends anymore since she left high school, so... I'm I'm actually quite pleased to learn that she's addressing lots of other different issues in in the sequel. <laughs> yeah, there are I mean she's she's moving forward, which is nice to see. Yeah. That is really nice to see. Oh yeah, she's gay. <laughs> As fuck. What? <laughs> I don't know, dude, she's super gay. She is. She likes the ladies. She likes the ladies. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, it, it is. I love it is that. almost it, like it is really almost tangential. Yeah, I, I, I actually there's this that one scene where she's talking about her attraction to ladies, and and how she was comparing it between like receiving a potentially lewd image of a boy, and she's like, or like a guy, and she's like, mm, that's nice. He sure is naked. And then she receives one of the of the girl of a lady, and then she's like effing saved (laughs) yep good (laughs) this this good good sweet lady (laughs) yeah well i'm looking forward to her future books um i am too i don't know if if chi will be writing anymore because i think the ride was a boy was published a couple years ago i think so i also read that a couple years ago yeah, seems like a one-time. It it does it does book. I mean, I would read another one, <laughs> just about. I, I mean, happy yeah, married it, life it, together. It, right. It it would be a a slightly different topic or a continuation or something, but mm-hmm. uh, I think it stands on its own just fine. Yeah, you can buy both of these on Amazon. Get them; they're so good. Yeah. Support these authors. They're so they're so good. Good. I mean, they're so okay. wonderful. I will. I I understand if you don't want to go through Amazon because. Uh, Jeff Bezos is terrible. <laughs> I feel like every other podcast episode, we're like, this person is terrible. <laughs> just Jeff Bezos is terrible. <laughs> the richest man in modern history, and he doesn't even pay taxes. Zero. Oh, why, why do all the richest people don't pay taxes? Because they can afford to not pay taxes. I don't understand. Money. I guess if you have more money than humanly possible to spend, you just want more of it. Yeah, you man. just want that big number to keep going up. <sighs> yeah. It, so this, my lesbian experience with loneliness is distributed as seven. It's distributed by Macmillan, Seven Seas Entertainment LLC. I think if you go to gomanga.com, you can get it too. Gomanga.com. We don't get paid for this. Oh yeah, we're not sponsored. I really, right? <laughs> I really, really wish we did. 
You just want to shill for something? <laughs> well, if we got paid for it, then I could just do this. And I'd be like, hey, dad, <laughs> I make money. <laughs> but alas. But alas. Be like Nagata and be like, I'm making a manga. Look, I'm doing productive. <laughs> And then your dad be like, it's not even a full-time job. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I'll be like, yeah, you're right, though. Yeah. I'll go get my resume. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't want to think about this. Um... It's okay. I won't ever judge you based on your resume. <laughs> my resume is so bad. Like, I don't, I don't work. I mean, you're a student. <laughs> I know, but my sister works. Yeah, but she's a babysitter. She makes fat stacks, dude. Yeah, but that's not, I mean, well, you're the one who said it depends on how you market yourself. I mean, that's true. <laughs> you were like, I could market this podcast on my resume. I can. <laughs> Do it. Yeah. <laughs> but listen, I'm, I'm here mm -hmm. building up skills that are... Mm-hmm. Very specific, and my sister's out there making $20 an hour. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and then when she applies to be a teacher or whatever, she'll be like, oh, look at all this babysitting experience I got. <laughs> LOL. I know how to take care of kids. I know the kids. Yeah. Now give me bank. Sometimes I forget that these episodes aren't supposed to go for like two hours. Yeah, they are not, because we aren't always talking about an entire season <laughs> of anime. Right. <laughs> hey, everyone. There's some content missing here, because it, we talked for like 30 minutes about the updates that we had to our feelings about the summer 2018 season, and I cut it out because I don't want to bloat the episode with that. But there is one thing I wanted to touch on before I end the episode, because... I realized that we didn't talk about the art, which is my bad because I didn't write up an episode guide for this, so we were just kind of flying by the seat of our pants. This is a, a manga essay, so the art is an integral part, and it is worth talking about because I think that it's something quite special. It's not polished. A lot of the line work is kind of rough. It is sketchy, it only uses the two tones, obviously. I think it, it makes the story raw and honest and personal in a way that commercial works can't be. And obviously, this is a commercial work in so far as it is distributed and sold and bought. But, you know, at the end of the day, it, it's a personal story about somebody who has been through a lot of suffering and is continuing to suffer and is continuing to make that journey of self-improvement. But, you know, the the four-panel style is somewhat inhospitable to serious content, but I think it really works here. And the reason I think that is because it gives a structure to the story that from page to page, you know, from panel to panel, that I think the author wishes she had in her own life. And it does fly in the face of traditional wisdom about paneling and page layout but i think it works here you know because it is in the style of an essay and so i think it sort of gets a pass on that 
because the four panel style actually really works. It it gives every panel the same amount of weight on the page, and as a result, the rhythm of it is is pounding. You know, it's it's almost relentless in a way. And at the end of the day, it makes it feel personal. You know, it, it looks like something that someone drew for themselves and not for anyone else. It's something really special. And if you have the means to get your hands on a copy of this, then you should absolutely read it. Oh, and the next episode of the podcast is going to be about Full Metal Alchemist, so look forward to that. Um, and that's, that's it. What are you up to? Uh, this coming month, I will be preparing for two conventions that I have uh, at the end of August. One is Queen City Anime Con in Charlotte, North Carolina. The other is San Japan in San Antonio. They are on consecutive weekends, so I will be booked for <laughs> the last two weeks. Mm. Of um, August. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm just preparing for that. So, yep. Nice. Yeah. What you up to, Soup Soup? Uh, I am also not up to much this week, actually. I'm mostly just sitting on my hands until my my New York thing goes through. When is that? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I know. Okay. <laughs> I'm not in charge of buying tickets this time, so it is up to the whims of fate, I guess. Uh-huh. Otherwise, I am I'm going to go watch the Bo Burnham movie, the one that he wrote and directed. Oh yeah, I wanted to see that. Yeah. So, I don't I know nothing about this movie, but I'm going to watch it on Thursday. Cool. So, Tell me how it yeah, is. I will, I will be sure to. I will be sure to. It seems I mean, I don't want to say it seems like a good time because I I literally know like nothing about this movie. I haven't seen a trailer. I don't I don't know anything about this movie. Okay. Which is also how I went to Sorry to Bother You, um, which is the optimal <laughs> way to go into that movie. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I I hope that's good. I I expect it'll be. I like Bo Burnham, so. Yeah, I mean, I heard him talk about the movie some, and I've heard people say that it was quite enjoyable. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where can we find you on the internet? Ooh, I am on the Twitter and on the Twitch and whatnot at Swan Drawn. Um, you can find me on Instagram at swan.drawn. I have been finally remembering to post artwork as I finish them, kind of, sort of. So, you know. If you want to see my things and stuff that I create, I guess you can go over there and look at them. <laughs> all right. Yeah. What about you? You can find me on all the places at literal soup. If I'm there, oh, that's where you'll find me. He's soup. He's literal. I am, I am literal. I am not. <laughs> I don't know. I probably should be working on something, but right now I'm not really. <laughs> Somehow this episode is way longer than it should have oh, been. it ended up it's so fine. long because we stopped talking about anime again! Ah! Yeah, I know. Uh, it's almost like our podcast is about anime. I know, but oh. <laughs> <laughs> I've been having such a fun time editing this. <laughs> Alright, well, it's, it's been a blast, but the kitschy girl, you're fucking hard out. 
<laughs> Go have an experience with lonely nights. <laughs> 